0: Welcome, I'm Pastor Mike Brunzel coming to you from my home in Taylorsville, Kentucky tonight. Uh, If you're on our website or our Facebook page, Faith Fellowship Church of Louisville, hopefully you'll hit the share button and let your friends know that I'm bringing forth a message tonight. I want to talk to you tonight about establishing boundaries for our lives, establishing boundaries. If you have your Bible or Bible apparatus, turn with me to Proverbs chapter 4 and verse 20. Proverbs 4.20. I'm going to read it in the King James, and then I want to read it to you in the New International Version. It says, My son, attend to my words, incline thine ear unto my sayings. Let them not depart from thine eyes. Keep them in the midst of thine heart, for they are life unto those that find them. And health to all their flesh. Keep thy heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. For out of it are the issues of life. And then in the New International Version, it says, My son, pay attention to what I say. Turn your ear to my words. Do not let them out of your sight. Keep them within your heart, for they are life to those who find them and health to one's whole body the word of God. It's life to those that find them and health to one's whole body. Above all else, guard your heart for everything you do flows from it. Everything you do flows from out of your heart. So that's what I want to talk to you about tonight is establishing boundaries for our lives. And boundaries can be good or bad. You know, the children of Israel reached the Uh, Jordan River, and they were supposed to cross over into the promised land, but they allowed that Jordan River to become a boundary, and it withheld them them from the promises of God. So boundaries can be good or bad. They can keep you safe. uh, They can keep you on the right track, or they can become obstacles that you refuse to cross over, and you miss out on God's blessings. So I want to talk about establishing boundaries in our lives that will keep us uh, keep our moral compass on target. Uh, God is telling us to keep or guard our hearts with all diligence. In other words, it's very important for us to guard our hearts. He said, for out of it are the issues of life. And, you know, sometimes we read through things without really realizing the real meaning or the true meaning of the words. And that's especially true with the Word of God because the Bible has been translated from several different languages. It's been uh, translated in the Old Testament from the Hebrew. From the New Testament, it's been translated from the Greek and from the Aramaic languages. And there's some words that we just don't have English equivalents for. And then sometimes we can translate one of these words from the original text, like the Hebrew or the Greek. And we can come up with several different words that can apply to the one word we translated from the original language. And a lot of times we read a scripture without really comprehending the impact of the words that seem relatively simple. So we read over them and we sometimes take it for granted that we know what a word means when we really don't. And sometimes we take words out of context and it changes the uh, meaning of them. And most scriptures have an underlying principle. And uh, that's what we have to try to understand is what's the principle behind this passage of scripture? What's the context of it? And uh, when we understand that principle, you'll realize that the word that you passed over really didn't mean what you thought it meant. Uh, This word issue, for example, in our opening passage of scripture tonight, it's a fairly simple word and easy to understand. And we use it all the time, but we use it in different applications. Let me give you an example. We use the word issue as a topic for debate or discussion. In other words, the issue of global warming. And then it could be used to describe a problem or difficulty, like I have technical issues with the electronic devices in my life. That's a true statement. I do have issues with my phone. I have issues with my iPad. Sometimes I can't connect to Facebook. So I have issues with it. And it could refer to a magazine because we just recently got the latest issue of (coughs) Consumer's Report, excuse me. (coughs) And my wife even told me before that I have issues. So I'm not sure what she meant. I think she was telling me I have emotional problems or something, I don't know. But anyway, we have the same word but different meanings with different applications. And, but here in this passage we read tonight, it would appear that the word issues in the Hebrew language has to do with the action of something flowing or coming out. For out of your heart flows or comes out the issues of life. In other words, life flows from the heart. And I've said this before. We think we live, out, we live our lives in a geographical location or the environment around us. But in actuality, you live your life out of your heart. This is what's going to give you direction for your life. And it doesn't make any difference where you move geographically, if you change jobs, if you change wives or husbands. and It doesn't make any difference because everything's going to remain the same because you're living out of your heart and nothing's changed in here. So nothing's going to change out here. So we can have all preconceived ideas of the word issue. And unless we apply the principle or we apply the context of the scripture, we'll not get a true meaning of it. So it appears to also mean the same thing in the original New Testament Greek, like the woman with the issue of blood. She had a flow of blood. So it was a woman that had a flow of blood coming from her body. So we can have all kinds of preconceived ideas as to what a word means, and we could be completely wrong and miss the real meaning of the word without understanding the context of the scripture or understanding the principle that stands behind the scripture, behind that word. And sometimes the meanings of words seem to change and not mean what they meant before. And this is what we're going to see tonight in our Bible study. If we go back and look at what the writers meant when they penned these words as they wrote in the original language, whether it was the uh, writers in the Hebrew of the Old Testament or it was the writers of the New Testament uh, writing in the Greek language, uh, we'll learn that this word issue actually means borders or boundaries. Now that changes things a little bit, doesn't it? And, uh, you know, guard your heart with all diligence, for out of it your heart the boundaries of your life will be established. Out of your heart flows the boundaries or the borders that will, that will direct your life. Uh, another interesting passage of scripture, we'll get back to that in a minute and we'll pull it all together in context. But another interesting passage uh, along these lines is in Proverbs twenty nine eighteen, Where there is no vision, my people perish. But he that keeps the law, happy is he. That's Proverbs 29, 18. And there's two interesting words here. Uh, the word vision and perish. The word vision actually means revelation in the original uh, text. And, or it means a prophetic utterance. In other words, a, a prophetic utterance, a word from God. And uh, the word perish actually means to run without restraint. And that's kind of like living life without borders or without boundaries. So what is God saying here? I believe he's saying that without a prophetic utterance or a revelation from God or a revelation from his word, uh, my people run without restraint. In other words, they do their own thing. And this makes a lot more sense to me now anyway. But one thing I've learned in life is that people don't like restraints. People don't like boundaries. And uh, everybody likes to do their, their own thing. They like to live life without restraints. You know, leave me alone. I know what I'm doing. Um, it may be right. It may be wrong. But it's my life, and I live it the way that I want. But it's dangerous to live life like that. It's dangerous to live life without boundaries or restraints, uh, without borders. It's like a child in a car seat. He has to be restrained in that car or uh, an adult without a seat, a seat belt or a safety belt. Uh, that's dangerous. You have to be restrained in a car. Uh, if for no other reason, if you have to make a violent turn on the wheel or slam the brakes on or something, uh, at least with the driver, it will keep him at or near the, the steering wheel and the controls of the vehicle. I mean, if, if you swerve violently and wind up in the back seat, that car is on its own, and so is everybody else that's in it. So it's good to have restraints. It's good to have uh, boundaries and borders. It's like ignoring a guardrail on a highway or a mountain road. You know, as long as you stay on the right side of the border or on the right side of the guardrail, uh, the border, the boundary for that highway, you're relatively safe. But there's dangerous There's danger outside of the guardrail. You don't want to go on the other side of the guardrail. It's there for a reason. It's there to establish a boundary of safety for you on the highway. And our opening scripture tells us that our heart establishes the boundaries, the borders, the restraints for our life. Paul said in Romans 10.10 that it's with the heart man believes. So your heart is your believer. I mean, that's where you do all your believing is in your heart. You might think you do your believing in your head, but that's just sense knowledge. That's just mind knowledge. Your heart is your real believer. And and your heart is where your beliefs are not only established, but that's where they're held. And these are the beliefs that will issue out of your heart and direct your life. And these uh, beliefs that are established in your heart will establish the moral compass for your life. And that's why we have to have a prophetic utterance. We have to have a revelation from God. He needs to be determining to us what the boundaries of our life should be because he knows best. And he wants wants the best for us. And, you know, when we uh, take heed to the prophetic utterance or the word of God, the words that come from God, we'll find that we live long, satisfied lives, long, satisfied, healthy, safe lives with all the provision that we need. Why? Because we've established in our heart the boundaries for our life, our moral compass, and we won't step outside of that guardrail that God has established, and we'll stay safe as long as we do that. So uh, the beliefs that are in your heart will give guidance to your life, and uh, you know that's uh, why they're so important, because those beliefs will govern your life. Once a belief is established in your heart, then it will dictate the direction that you'll take your life. And uh, your life never will move beyond the boundaries that you've set for yourself in your heart. Your heart holds beliefs for all kinds of different things. Some beliefs are right, some beliefs are wrong. If you, get a, if you establish your beliefs uh, from the Word of God, then uh, the belief system that you've established will be right every time. It will be the right thing for you to do every time. But when you get your own preconceived ideas of what you think is right, uh, and you disregard the word of God concerning that particular thing, then you're going to establish a wrong belief, and unfortunately, that will guide your life as well. So some are right, some are wrong, uh, some are are important, some beliefs are really important, and some really don't matter that much. You know, for example, you might believe that a Ford F-150 is better than a Chevy Silverado, and you would be right. Uh, You might say it really doesn't make any difference. Uh, Maybe not, but it's sure going to affect the way that you shop for your next vehicle. I mean, if you've established a belief in your heart that Chevy Silverados ain't no good and Ford F-150s are are the best, then guess what you're going to buy the next time you go out to buy a pickup truck? you're going to buy according to what you believe in your heart. So you've set a boundary, whether you realize it or not, uh, as to how you're going to shop for a vehicle next time. And, And your beliefs establish some boundaries for you, and they'll certainly affect the way that you direct your life and the things that you do in your life. But then there's other beliefs that are really significant. I mean, it's important that you get the right truck. Don't get me wrong. You don't want to waste your money. You want to get the best for your money. Uh, And and so you'll buy the Ford F-150. But then there's other beliefs that are really significant, really important. And uh, beliefs that cause huge changes in your life. Beliefs about money. Beliefs about education. Beliefs about relationships or marriage. Raising children. Beliefs about time. And beliefs about life itself. These are the things that will really bring direction to your life and have a uh, a, a really big impact on your life. And, and whether a belief is right or wrong, once it's established in your heart, most people won't violate that belief. Once that boundary has been set in your heart, you'll stay within the boundaries. You'll stay within the borders of that belief, uh, and, and you won't cross over. Uh, one of the most important beliefs in our life, besides our belief in Jesus Christ, Is what we believe about ourselves and what we're capable of doing. Uh, If you don't believe that you can do something, then you'll probably never even try it. Uh, If you don't believe you're capable of handling a particular job or handling a a promotion that's on the board at work, uh, then you'll probably never apply for it. And, uh, I mean, can you see how beliefs can become boundaries that you won't cross over? Now, those are those are wrong boundaries. Those, God doesn't want you to have those type of boundaries. God wants you to believe in yourself, not only in your ability, but uh, outside of your ability. He wants you to trust in his ability and his anointing and his power for for your life. Because when you've reached the end of your ability and you know you've done all that you can possibly do, then look up because you're not finished yet. God hasn't finished yet. You haven't, you haven't put into your plans the God factor, and once you do that, you'll realize that there's things that you can do beyond your own abilities. But I believe it's wrong for me to drink, smoke, or cheat on my wife, uh, and as a result, those are moral uh, boundaries that I've set for my life, and I won't cross them. Now, I'm not going to get in a debate about smoking or drinking. i Smoking or drinking won't send you to hell or get you to heaven, so don't get me wrong. I believe it's wrong for me. It's a boundary or, or uh, that something that I've established in my heart. It's, a, it's something that I, I have established so that I won't cross over that boundary. Now, I'm not bringing condemnation to anybody that's cheated on their wife before. There's always forgiveness for that and repentance. And uh, I'm not condemning you if you smoke or drink. It's just not for me. And like I said, it don't send you to hell and it don't get you to heaven. It don't make any difference. Uh, But did you know that belief is another word for faith? As a matter of fact, they're they're interchangeable terms in in the Greek language for sure. Uh, It comes from a Greek word that means a firm persuasion. That word faith comes from a Greek word that means a firm persuasion. It means a belief. And so faith and beliefs are uh, interchangeable terms. Jesus said to the woman with the issue of blood, daughter, your faith has made you whole. Your faith has made you whole. And that word faith that was used in that passage of Scripture is from the same Greek word that means firm persuasion or belief. So in other words, we can say without doing any injustice to the Scripture, we can say, daughter, your firm persuasion, Your belief that I am the healer and that I can heal you has made you whole. Uh, So if you believe something, then you can have faith to cause it to come to pass. It makes faith a lot more simpler. You know, uh, faith can be complicated to some people. And there's a lot of ministers that have the nine points to faith and uh, their outlines and all this. But listen, faith is nothing but establishing a belief. If you can believe something, you have faith in it. Amen. Or if you have faith in something, you believe in it. And uh, unfortunately, this works for good and bad. You can have faith in bad things and you can believe bad things. But if you, uh, for example, if you believe you're too old to do something, then you'll probably never do it. If you believe you're too young, you'll probably never do it. If you believe you're not smart enough or educated enough or don't have enough money, then you probably never try it. And, uh, you know, the image you have of yourself is very important. Because what you believe about yourself is as far as you will ever go or take your life. Because, again, out of your heart flow the issues of life. Out of your heart, the boundaries of life are established. And so, uh, you can't exceed those boundaries. So, you have to not only establish the boundaries and the beliefs, but they have to be the right beliefs. That's why it's important that you have... prophetic utterance that you have a revelation from God and the only place you're gonna get that unless God speaks to you by the Holy Spirit and he can certainly do that but uh, otherwise it's gonna come from the Word of God you got to spend time in the Word of God find out uh, the boundaries that are set in God's Word and uh, start establishing that word in your heart establishing them boundaries in your heart Uh, see you might be able to quote for example my God shall supply all my needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. But if you don't believe it, then you'll never act like it's so, and you'll probably never reap the benefits of it. So it's not just being able to quote something. Uh, Paul said you have to believe in your heart and confess with your mouth. Not one or the other. It has to be both. You know, I have to believe in my heart that God is going to supply all my needs, even when it looks like my needs aren't being supplied. I have to believe that in my heart, and then I have to speak it out of my mouth to confirm the belief in my heart. And out of my heart flows the issues of life. Do you think having your, your needs met is an issue in life? Of course it is. So I have to establish that belief from the Word of God. I have a prophetic utterance. I have a revelation from God's word that he will supply all my needs according to his riches and glory. And I'm going to confess that Uh, every time it looks like I'm not going to make ends meet at the end of the month. I'm going to say my God will supply all my needs according to his riches and glory. And I'm going to stand on that and I'm going to stay within the boundaries of that. And even if it looks like it's almost midnight and that need hasn't been met yet, I'm still not giving up. I'm going to stay within the boundaries of that belief that I've established in my heart, and I'm going to walk in that. Uh, So if you want to change your life uh, out here uh, in the atmosphere that you live, uh, then you have to change what you believe about yourself. You have to change in here first, And, and you'll never become anything until you see something on the inside and then you'll establish that, and eventually it will show up on the outside. So the beliefs in your heart will set the boundaries and the borders for your life, and you will operate within those boundaries. Uh, If you can change your beliefs, then you can change your life. Uh, In the parable of the talents, for example, the master gave one servant five talents, one servant two talents, and then he gave a third servant one talent all according to their several abilities. In other words, he didn't give them anything that they weren't capable of handling. And the one who had the five and the one who had the two talents believed that they were capable of increasing the talents that they were entrusted with, and they doubled their master's money. And when the master returned, he said to both of them, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful over a few things. I'll make you ruler over many things. And so even though one had five in double them and one had two in it, they both were complimented the same way and they both received the same reward. Why? Because the guy that had the two talents wasn't a five talent guy. And the guy that had the five talents had five talents because he was more capable than a two talent guy. So they had they had the amount of talents that they could physically handle and the Lord didn't expect any more from them and he didn't expect any less. Now the the third servant, the guy he gave the one talent to, he obviously believed that he wasn't capable of increasing it. And he had no confidence in himself. He didn't have the he didn't believe he had the ability to Uh, invest that talent and increase it and double it like the other two servants did. And so out of fear, he took it and he hid it because he believed a lie about the master. He thought the master was a hard man that reaped where he didn't sow and all these things that people will tell you at times about God. And, And so in fear, he buries his talent. And so he placed limitations on his life according to what he believed. He set the boundaries and they kept him from being successful. That's why I say boundaries can be, uh, can be a blessing and they can be a curse for you. If you allow that boundary to stop uh, stop you from succeeding in the things of God uh, and the blessings of God, like going into the promised land, then that boundary has become a, curve, a curse. And our beliefs is what puts the boundaries on our lives. And so that's why it's so important to establish a belief system that's consistent with the word of God. Because whether you realize it or not, God believes in you. God has faith in you and God has confidence in you. And so this man's beliefs about himself, the servant with the one teller, kept him from even trying. And it, it causes me to wonder how many of us are like that. You know, oh, what's the use? I can I can never do something like that. I mean, How many people are out there that could actually be successful for something if they would just try it? And this comes in a lot of different areas. You know, people just sometimes don't try anything because they don't have any confidence in their own abilities. And and then even worse than that, they don't don't have confidence in doing things that God said with him are possible, even though they're impossible with you. And so uh, if that man with the one talent would have just thought, you know what, my master gave me that talent. So he must believe that I'm capable of increasing it, or he would have never gave it to me. So if he has enough confidence in my ability, then I'm going to have enough confidence in my ability, and I'm going to do my best to increase this talent. And he would have did something with the talent, even if he had to get advice from the guy with the five talents, now has ten, or the guy that had the two talents now has four, Maybe he could have went to them and say, hey, I need, I need some help here. You know, humbled himself a little bit and say, how could I invest this? What did you do to increase your talents? I mean, there's all kinds of things that he could have did. And if he would have just tried, he would have been successful like the other three. He would have, seen, he would have received the same compliment from the, the master and the same reward as the one that had the five and the one that had the two. God is fair. Amen. And he gave them according to their own ability. So it was in, it was within his ability to increase that one talent. He just didn't try. I mean, how many of us have given up on things without even trying? You know, I'd rather see my kids go down with a fight and fail than not even try at all. Amen. You know, and, and parents and adults in general play a key role in establishing beliefs in a child's heart. And, and, you know, before a belief is established in a child's heart, it has, to, it has to be something that makes an impression on that child. And you know, when Mike and Chris were growing up, I had a firm belief that if I was going to change their behavior or change a belief in their heart uh, from wrong to right, from what they thought was right to what God says is right, then I would have to make an impression on them in order to get them to believe correctly. And the way I did that was to create a significant emotional event in their life. And uh, some of you are already wondering, I know where he's going with this. I'm going to hear the old toy story. Yes, you are, and it's my story, so I'll tell it if I want. But, you know, uh, you have to make an impression on somebody, somebody, so that they're not going to forget the lesson that you taught them. And that's why spankings are good for disobedient children, rebellious children. Uh, because that <clears throat> spanking is a significant emotional event in their life, and it it creates a lasting impression. And I'm not saying that every child has to be spanked. You know, uh, we had two boys. Uh, one had to be spanked on a regular basis. The other one you just had to give a look to, and he straightened right up. You know, so I'm not saying every child has to be spanked, but sometimes it calls it calls for a spanking. And that spanking would be a significant emotional event in their life, and they won't forget the lesson that you taught them if you spanked them properly <clears throat> and trained them while you, after you, before and after you spanked them. But uh, then there's other ways to create emotional events. Like one time Mike didn't want to pick up his toys. Yeah, here's the story. But it bears repeating. But he didn't want to pick his toys up, so I asked him, Would you like me to pick your toys up for you, son? He looked at me for a moment and he thought and he says, sure, if you want to. And he went about his business playing. So I picked him up. Then I took him over to the garbage can and dumped him right in that can and dared him to try to take him back out. And so that was a pretty emotional event. Trust me, it was. uh, It was emotional for the whole household. But (laughs) I established a belief in that child's heart. That it would be best in the future if he would pick his toys up uh, the way that he was supposed to. uh, Because if he didn't, he knows daddy will. And uh, we never had another problem with that child when it comes to picking his toys up. All you had to do was say, time to put your toys away. And they were gone. But anyway, nobody's more impressionable than a little child. And we need to take advantage of that. And that's the way God designed children. He made them impressionable. Uh, especially when they're younger, and that's why it's important that we teach them right and establish a system of beliefs in their hearts that's according to the prophetic utterance that God gave us, the revelation of God's Word, because that's what's going to make them successful in life. And, uh, you know, don't ever tell them they can't do something, and don't uh, ever tell them that they're stupid, or they'll never amount to anything in life, because if they believe it, it will come to pass. They'll live up to that if they believe it. Matthew eighteen three 3 in Amplified says this. I'm trying to hurry here. I didn't want to go too long, but it says, truly I say to you, unless you repent, change, turn about, and become like little children, trusting, lowly, loving, forgiving, you can never enter the kingdom of heaven at all. So God is telling us we need to repent, we need to turn about, we need to become like little children. Why? Because little children are loving, they're forgiving, they're gullible. I mean, they'll believe anything you tell them. Uh, You can get a little child to believe anything. And so God is saying that he wants us to have childlike qualities. He wants us to be loving, forgiving, playful. Children are playful. They ain't all stressed out and worried. He wants us to have an attitude like a child. He wants us to rely on him, not be stressed out, not be worried. I mean, even when little children get in a fight, you know, uh, 30 seconds after it's over, they're back playing together again, loving on one another again. They're not born as racist either. They're taught racism, just like they're taught everything else. And so it's, it's important what we put into a child, especially in their formidable years, because... Uh, they'll believe anything that you tell them. And the reason they will is because their little hearts haven't been corrupted yet with the junk uh, uh, that's in the world. Their little hearts haven't been filled with the garbage and the wrong beliefs that's in the world yet. And so it's important for you to establish the right beliefs, the right boundaries, the right moral compass in their little hearts before you send them off to school or send them out into the world. Amen. Amen. And, you know, their little hearts are open to wisdom. Their little hearts are open to influence and they're constantly open to learning. And so we need to take advantage of that with little children, whether you're a parent or or you're a grandparent or you're a uncle or an aunt or a Boy Scout counselor or a teacher or anybody that has influence in their lives. We need to take advantage of that and teach them the right things. If you have an influence in a child's life, then your job is to teach them from an early age the way that they should go. To write on their little heart the right beliefs because what they grow up believing will govern the rest of their lives. And if you have children that you can influence, then it's your job to instill God into their lives while they're young. I mean, you may, be a, uh, you may have grandchildren whose parents might not be following the Lord. Uh, maybe you're a teacher. Maybe you're a child caregiver. Uh, if those child are within your influence, you have to influence them in the right things. And, uh, you know, maybe you can't teach them everything. Maybe you only have You know, we say this all the time at, at church. You know, I get you one hour a week. The devil got you the rest of the, the week, you know. But I'm going to use that hour to try to influence you the best way I can. It's the same with little children. Uh, if you can just plant a seed, just plant a seed, just plant the word. Uh, because if they grow up believing that there's no god then their chance of getting saved diminishes with each passing year it just gets the the odds just become worse and worse and if a child's heart is open to you as an adult don't ever use that privilege to instill wrong things into them either because you will give an account for it and uh, you know Jesus finishes his discourse on children and then in Matthew 18 four and through seven in the amp, he said, whoever will humble himself therefore and become like this little child, trusting, lowly, loving, forgiving, is greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And whoever receives and accepts and welcomes one little child like this for my sake and in my name receives and accepts and welcomes me. But whoever causes one of these little ones who believe in and acknowledge and cleave to me to stumble and sin... That is, who entices him or hinders him in right conduct or thought? It would be better, more expedient and profitable or advantageous for him to have a great millstone fastened around his neck and to be sunk into the depth of the sea. Woe to the world for such temptations to sin and influence to do wrong. It is necessary that temptations come, but woe to the person on whose account or by whom the temptation comes. In other words, if you have an opportunity to instill good things and right things and establish moral uh, compasses and boundaries in a child's life, that's what you better do. Don't cause that child to stumble by giving him wrong things to learn. But anyway, I'm off my, my soapbox. Uh, we open tonight with Proverbs 4:20 20 through 24. But now I want to go back to verses 3 through 13. I think it'll sum up well what I'm saying. The writer of this proverb is Solomon, the son of King David and Bathsheba. And this will make it clear why Solomon told us to guard our hearts with all diligence, for out of it are the issues or the boundaries of life. But keep in mind, as Solomon is writing this, he was writing as a son to his parents. This is part of the principles uh, uh, I was talking about. This is part of the context of the scripture. If we know this in context and we know the principle behind it, will have a better understanding of it. So he's writing as a son to his parents and about some life lessons that he learned from them, from his parents. And these are beliefs that were established in his heart as he was growing up. In uh, Proverbs 4, uh, 4, 3 through 13, he says, For I was my father's son, tender and only beloved in the sight of my mother. He taught me also, and said unto me, Let thine heart return my words, keep my commandments, and live. Get wisdom, get understanding, forget it not, neither decline from the words of my mouth. Forsake her not, and she shall preserve thee. Love her, and she shall keep thee. Talking about wisdom. Wisdom is the principal thing, therefore get wisdom, and with all thy getting, get understanding. Exalt her wisdom, and she shall promote thee. She shall bring thee to honor. When thou dost embrace her, she shall give to thine head an ornament of grace, a crown of glory shall she deliver to thee. Hear, O my son, and receive my sayings, and the, the years of thy life shall be many. That's a wonderful promise. He says, I have taught thee in the way of wisdom. I have led thee in right paths that's our job as influencers when thou goest thy steps shall shall not be straightened and when thou runnest thou shall not stumble take fast hold of instruction let her not go keep her for she is thy life so i'm getting ready to close now but when solomon was ordained as king if you remember the first thing he did was offer a thousand sacrifices Where did he learn that from? And and when he prayed, God told him he'd give him anything that he asked for. You could have anything you want, Solomon. Not anything you need, anything you want. You know what he asked for? Wisdom. The very thing he was talking about in this proverb here. Wisdom to lead God's people. He wanted to be a good leader for Israel. Where did he learn that at? According to this proverb, he learned the importance of wisdom from his father. And, you know, I wasn't raised in a godly home. I mean, we were decent people, don't get me wrong. We weren't evil people by any means, but we, we weren't raised in a godly home. But my mother taught us to go to church. Whether she went or not, my dad uh, didn't darken the door of a church very often. Uh, if he did at all, he didn't do it in my life. But uh, my mother did teach us to go to church, and I had a lot of wrong beliefs instilled into me as a child. But thank God, even as an adult, beliefs can be changed, as it was in my life. You know, I, all the wrong beliefs that I had, even about God. I, I never believed right about God when I was a child because I had him as a ju- In my mind, he was a judgmental person, and uh, he wasn't the type of God I wanted to be around. I was afraid of him. And not with a godly fear. I was just afraid of him killing me or judging me or something, you know. But that's all changed. And if it changed for me, it can change for you. It can change for your children. Uh, It's never hopeless for anybody. And so we just have to plant seeds. But if you're in a position where you can influence people on a daily, weekly, monthly, annual basis, then you have to take advantage of that. Plant a seed. Get them on the right track. Uh, help them to establish the right beliefs in their life, the right boundaries in their lives. I got a lot more to say about this, but I, I can't say it tonight. I already went longer than I wanted to go, so. I'm going to quit right here, and if the Lord leads, I will uh, pick up again on this maybe next week, or maybe he'll send me in another direction, I don't know. But I pray this has been a blessing to you. The, the, the beliefs that you establish in your heart are so important. And uh, again, if you missed it as a child, that's all right. You can still change some of the things that you believe. Just get in the word of God. Uh, Whatever you thought was right, if God said it's wrong, then you have to accept the fact that it's wrong. And the things that, you know, uh, God said is right, then even though you thought they were wrong, you have to establish the right beliefs and they will change the direction of your life. I promise you. Let's pray. Father, we thank you and praise you. We give you glory and honor. God, I lift up this Facebook family before you tonight. I ask you to minister to them. Touch their hearts. Touch their minds. Touch their bodies, Lord. Heal them in Jesus' name. And God, help them to understand that you are a loving God. You are a merciful God. You are a God that loves us with unconditional love, and you have confidence in us, not only in confidence in our abilities, but also confidence that we can accomplish the things Uh, that we want to establish in our lives so we give you glory and honor for it in jesus name thank you for joining us god bless you if you thought this was worthwhile hit the share button and we will see you sunday